Good health is a crown worn by the healthy that only the ill can see. Your health really is your wealth. Join us for the next hour as we explore disease and attaining and maintaining good health. This is Dischem Medical Monday, brought to you by Dischem, pharmacists who care. And good morning to you. I'm Kathy Kayla and I'm your host for the next hour. Beautiful day in Johannesburg, a beautiful fresh morning and I'm coming at you uh, from a Johannesburg that is 18 degrees, fair, clear skies and we are definitely heading towards winter. I'm going to give you three massive disasters. In fact, they're probably three of the largest disasters that we know in our lifetime and I'm going to ask you what you think they have in common so if you know or you think you know what they have in common I'm going to ask you to please let me know and here's the numbers 34519 that is the text line or you could that's an SMS those SMS's are charged at 1 Rand 50 you can also send me a telegram on 061-895-1019. So the first disaster is Chernobyl. Chernobyl was uh, it was a nuclear power plant that was based in the Ukraine. It exploded and caused many deaths and long-term repercussions. It happened on the 26th of April, 1986. The second disaster was the Space Shuttle Challenger explosion. That happened on the 28th of January 1986. That took place in Florida at Cape Canaveral, or just above. And uh, it exploded after being only 70 seconds into the sky, and it killed all seven crew members. So we've got Chernobyl, we've got the Space Shuttle Challenger explosion, and the third is the Exxon Valdez oil spill. Now, you may or may not remember this. This was an oil tanker that crashed into the Bly Reef close to Anchorage in Alaska in 1989. The cost to the environment is its priceless. It was so extensive that the environment there is still recovering from it. So what, are, what do you think those three events all have in common. If you know, message me now, 34519, that's a text line, or 061-895-1019. I don't expect you to know the answer because it is very, very surprising. So maybe I should actually just tell you that each of those disasters in the reports afterwards were attributed to sleep deprivation. Could you have guessed that? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm really not sure. How much sleep do you get a night? Do you get enough sleep? Do you feel that you get enough sleep? That when you wake up, you wake up on your own, you wake up refreshed, feeling that you're ready for the day? Or do you kind of stumble into the, the alarm goes off and you just get up because there's a robotic movement and perhaps you're still sh a bit shaky and it takes you a while to settle and get into your environment. Insufficient sleep may not have led the news in reporting on serious accidents in recent decades. However, that doesn't mean that fatigue and inattention due to sleep loss didn't play a role in those disasters. 
a recent um, Harvard study, when I say recent, it was within the last five years because they haven't done any studies uh, beyond that, into sleep found that car crashes, almost 100,000 car crashes per annum can be attributed to sleep deprivation. It's absolutely insane. I'm going to be talking about sleep. We're going to learn everything there is to know about sleep and, more importantly, how you can get more sleep if you aren't getting enough. So uh, join me for the next hour. If you want to get in touch, 34519 is the text line or 061-895-1019. I'd really love to know how much sleep you get a night and if you are, if you feel that you're getting enough. You know, does it take you a long time to get up? No, the most dangerous time of the day is the time between switching off or putting your alarm on to snooze and actually getting up or switching off your alarm and getting up, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd really like to, you know, if you can help me just get a sense of the sleeplessness and what you think it's attributed to. My guest this morning is Jan Daniel Ace. He's a sleep health coach. I kid you not. We're going to be talking about sleep for the next hour. Good morning. How are you, Jan? I'm good. Good morning to you as well. <laughs> Thank you. Did you know that those three disasters were attributed to sleep deprivation? Yes, I did. Um, we actually used it in our own presentations as well. Uh, fatigue, fatigue is a killer. It really is. I mean, they, when I was researching this, the an amount of train crashes, plane crashes, you know, these real disasters that have been attributed to sleeplessness. So what do we know about sleep? Can we maybe just start with the natural circadian rhythms and explain what uh, circadian rhythms are? Okay. Yeah, so, so there's a distinction that we need to make between circadian rhythms and sleep stages. Okay. okay. So if I can start with circadian rhythm, circadian rhythm, circadian rhythms is something that, that is managed by our brain. Okay. And, um, we are mammals and humans, humans are made to be awake in the day and sleep at night. Circadian actually means around a day or involving a day and a night, you know, over a 24 hour period. And our brains um, react on cues from the environment to tell us when we need to be awake and when we need to sleep. Now, sorry, I didn't catch your name. What, what's your name? My name's Kathy. Kathy. I, yes. Hello, Kathy. Hello, everybody. You and your <laughs> listeners. So, so let just let me just start off with, if we talk, we are talking now in the normal sense of normal sleep. We're not. We're not talking about any sleep pathology or sleeping problems like insomnia, restless leg, sleep apnea, or whatever the case may be. In a normal sense of the word, our brains react on the cues that tell us to be awake and tell us when we need to sleep. And we react in the circadian rhythm sense, we're reacting basically um, to what we call zeitgebers or, or time givers in terms of in terms of, uh, uh, we call that it's, it's light from the sunlight and body temperature. So 
when it gets dark, we lose sunlight, and that gives a cue to us to release melatonin to help us to sleep. Okay? And it also takes our body temperature in consideration. When our body temperature drops, it also helps with the release of melatonin, which also helps us to sleep or gives us, gives us a sleep cue. That's the circadian rhythm. There's also another sleep drive or what we call a sleep drive that helps us to sleep, and that's called the homeostatic sleep drive. And this is exactly where the fatigue issue comes in, which we explained now in those, in those, in those accidents that happened. We've got a, we've got a hormone in our systems that's called adenosine. And in layman's terms, we call adenosine our sleep balloon. Okay, and that causes fatigue. Um, adenosine is a byproduct of metabolism from our cells, and the more we stay awake, the more adenosine gets re- released into the bloodstream. That gets, you know that. Oh, Jan, I think we seem to uh, have lost Jan. Jan is the brain to be more fatigued. Bigger the, the need for sleep becomes. Okay. All right. I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay. We did lose you for a, okay, for a minute. Okay. So you were talking about. Okay, right. All right. You were talking about the adenosine as yes. the, as the sleep so, balloon. So if you can just go through yes. that again, because we did miss okay. it. Okay. So the more adenosine that gets released during our waking hours, the fuller our sleep balloon gets. And the bigger the drive to sleep, the bigger the pressure becomes to sleep. Okay. Uh-huh. So that's got a direct impact on our fatigue levels and that our fatigue levels then gets or our um, alertness becomes decreased dramatically. And it's almost like as if we are intoxicated with alcohol. Okay. So that those are the two sleep drivers, what we call the homeostatic sleep drive, which is our sleep balloon. And our circadian rhythm. So our homeostatic sleep drive, our sleep balloon helps us to fall asleep while our circadian rhythm helps us to mainly maintain sleep throughout the night. All right. So you said that, that makes it, no, it does make sense. You, you explaining this very well. So just to be clear, the circadian rhythms respond to certain cues. So you gave the example yes. of when it starts getting darker. Then mm. our body starts, you know, starting to feel a bit more tired and, you know, yes. getting ready or preparing us for yeah, sleep. Yeah, it, it's a cue for us to accept sleep. Right. To the, tell our another, bodies it's now sleep time. Right. Another cue you said was temperature. What about food? Because sometimes yeah. um, having food can also make you a bit sleepy. Yes. Sleep, um, remember that the, 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 the food that we eat, um, it's well, it's important to eat foods that's, that's, that's high in magnesium, tryptophan, and because melatonin is built from tryptophan, okay, for instance. So, so foods to eat, um, includes foods which is high in, 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 um, in tryptophan and magnesium and so on. And, um, I, there's so much to say. Let me just, so, so if we talk about those type of foods, it's things like walnuts, fatty fish, um, important than all your fruits and vegetables. Okay. Um, chamomile tea. Okay. So these are things that will help us sleep. I'm just saying, you know, 
a yes. lot of people after it, a full stomach, you know, often you see it maybe at a conference, right, where there's this high energy level, there's a lunch break, and straight after lunch, the level, the energy level just plummets. So that's, yes, that's, that's why that's, I was asking about the food. Yeah, that's 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 an important that's an important thing that you said because that we call it the post lunch the post lunch dip or the circadian dip. That's very normal. Okay, it doesn't have. It's many people think it's because we eat. Um, it is to a certain extent. But it, it, it's also literally when the sun moves from east to west. You know that we call that the circadian dip. It's normal to feel a bit lethargic, if I can put it that way. You know, in that you know between twelve and three o'clock in the afternoon, depending on the seasons, um, to to feel a bit lethargic during during the day. I must just say one more thing about the foods, like chamomile tea, for instance. It's obviously important to follow a healthy diet. Okay, it. it uh, sleep, sleep is or sleep health has got a lot to do with what we call the health triangle, and it fits perfectly into that, into that argument of if we need to be healthy, um, we need to sleep well, we need to exercise, and we need to eat healthy. So the point I'm trying to make here is if you suffer from something like especially insomnia or sleeplessness. Eating lots of turkey and walnuts and kiwi fruits and whatever is not going to help you sleep. <laughs> I mean, because because it's it's a certain pathology that that uh, you know that that needs special intervention. So so, but to increase your sleep health, if you don't have a if you follow a normal diet, a normal healthy balanced diet, high carbs. Oh, sorry, not a complex carb, carbs and high protein. You, we can safely accept that your sleep health will also be increased. So, so the point I'm trying to make is, All right. if you don't follow a healthy diet, you need to eat healthy. All right. I mean, the that will All right. I've got a five-year-old in my brain, and the five-year-old in my brain is asking, asking me to ask you, <laughs> what are um, high carbs and high protein? <laughs> Okay. Examples. So I'm not a I'm I'm, I'm not a dietitian. Okay. So I'm a bit out of my scope of practice here in terms of. Okay, just high, an example. High, okay, high carbs. I mean high um, high. Uh, oh, sorry, high carbs, low GI foods, low GI foods. Like obviously your healthy brands, your healthy um, healthy carbs like uh, brown bread, um, um, you know, uh, high in fiber. Protein is obviously your white meats, um, which also consists of tryptophan, which helps the production of melatonin. Um, and your fish. Turkey, fish, yeah. fatty fish. Okay. And so on. Okay, so it's basically... Obviously, obviously, the... It's a normal balanced diet, Cassie. Nothing rocket science about it. Okay, very normal good. Normal balanced diet. The five-year-old in my brain you know, is the happy. Nuts and so on. <laughs> yeah. All right. If you've got any as questions as, about, as, <laughs> if you've got any questions about sleep, then you can send them through for my guest. My guest this morning is Jan Daniel Ace. He's a sleep health coach, and uh, send your questions through on three four five one nine. Those the that's the SMS line. 34519. You can also send through your sleep questions on Telegram, and that number is 
0618951019. And if you have the HiFM app, you can just click, you know, you can just click contact the studio and it'll come straight through to me. Um, Jan, we've spoken about circadian rhythms. We've spoken about the homeostasis. Let's talk about the sleep stages because the sleep stages are different yes. to both of yes. those. So let's yes. talk about those. Very important. Okay, so if we talk about sleep stages, it's important to remember or just keep in mind that we are already asleep. Okay, and I just want to make something clear here. Many people think or we are under the impression that if we lose consciousness, nothing happens. We lose consciousness and we wake up. And I just want to set the record straight or just remind people that Sleep is a very active process. It's an active process. And certain things happen only while we are asleep. And that's the importance of sleep. Okay? okay. So if we fall asleep, we can distinguish via brain waves. You know, if we record people's brain waves, um, we can distinguish between two types of sleep. Okay. The two types is basically non-REM sleep and REM sleep, REM sleep. Those are the two the two types of sleep. Okay, then if we go into if we take the non-REM sleep, we can distinguish basically three sleep stages, which is stage N one, stage stage one, stage two, and stage three sleep. That's in non-REM. Okay, so we lose consciousness during the night when you fall asleep. We lose consciousness. Then we travel from wakefulness down to stage one and stage two and stage three sleep, where stage three sleep is then what we call the so-called slow-wave sleep or deep sleep. And that is the active part. That's where the activeness comes in. In terms of the brain waves are very slow and wide. We call it a low amplitude uh, or slow, low frequency, high amplitude, you know, uh, brain waves. It is the, the things that happens there when we are asleep is our heart rate drops and, um, damaged cells gets reproduced or, or, you know, uh, we excrete a lot of, um, uh, uh, you know, some of the toxins gets released and, 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 and that's also where adenosine gets break, gets broken down into, you know, the, 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 all those, all those toxins. And, and. So, that, so let me, that. let me just be clear. That is, that's, that's the stage three of non-REM sleep. Yes. That's okay. the deep, deep sleep. Deep sleep. That. And, okay. and, and, and it's, we lose muscle tone, a lot of muscle tone. Okay. And that's also where snoring and sleep apnea usually comes from, also from REM sleep, but I'll get to that in a little while. Okay. We lose muscle tone. We don't know when we are in deep sleep. Many people tell me I can't get any deep sleep. We don't know if we are in deep sleep or not. Okay, so 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 there's nothing. Our brain waves is very slow. Nothing happens with our brains, and our brain as an organ, not as a working physiological entity, if I can put it that way. Our brain as an anatomical organ also gets repaired. Okay. Um, and detox. We don't. It's it's like rebooting your and computer. Detox. Yeah, you it's, we, it's literally. Yeah. See, see it this way. Deep sleep is important for all our organs to rest, 
to take to, to take a breather. Our heart rate needs to drop. Our our breathing slows and gets shallower, and it's normal. That's deep sleep. Then that lasts about 90 minutes, an hour and a half. Then we tend to wake up a bit, and we travel back to stage two sleep, stage one sleep, and then we go back into deep sleep again. But the period of the deep sleep gets shorter after every cycle. A cycle is about 90 minutes long. Then we, we sometimes get a bit of REM sleep also, just after about 90 minutes, we get a short period of REM sleep. But as the night progresses and we maintain that sleep, the periods of deep sleep get shorter and REM sleep gets longer. Now, let me talk about REM sleep for a while. REM sleep is... Okay, just hold on one second. Before, not, before we talk yeah. about REM sleep, how long yeah. does it take for the average person without sleep issues... Right. From the time that they yeah. fall asleep to go through stage one, how long does that last? Stage two, how long does that last? And um, stage three, how long do they have to how long does one have to sleep before you get to that deep sleep state where your body is okay, detoxing? Takes, we don't have control over that. OK, but it usually we can just trust our systems that it will take care of itself when it gets to that but as we fall asleep and we lose consciousness, we are in deep sleep within 30 minutes. Okay. That lasts, that lasts for about an, an, an hour or 40 minutes and then we tend to wake up again. So ironically again, deep sleep is, makes for about a quarter of our total sleep time. Ironically. Okay. So we don't, we don't fall asleep, spend Three hours non-stop in deep sleep, then wake up and then go. It, it, it works in waves, like almost like breathing. Okay. So, so the time that we, the, the most time that we spend in sleep is about is stage two sleep. And that is almost about 50% of our total sleep time. Okay. And, and, and what happens uh, to us during um, that stage two of non-REM sleep? It's, there's, there's a little bit of, of organ regeneration, a little bit of deep sleep activities, but, but, um, what, what's interesting in, in stage two sleep is, is brainwave activity where we see what we call sleep spindles or what we call K complexes and that distinguishes the stage two sleep. It is just that, it's that period where it's easy to wake up or relatively easier to wake up and fall back into deep sleep or transition over into into REM sleep. It just makes that transition period easier. Is that where we or dream? Or as simple as possible. Is that where dreams no, are? No, stage two no? sleep. No, we don't. We don't dream in stage two sleep. Well, you know, it's it's it, there's a lot of lot of controversy, but we think people. We are almost sure that people dream in REM sleep only. Okay, because we say that because ironically, REM sleep is also a kind of deep sleep, but our brain waves looks almost as if we are awake, almost like is as it's a very active sleep in our brains. Our brains are active, although the correlation between REM sleep and deep sleep is that we also don't have muscle tone or very little muscle tone in in REM sleep. The only muscles that works in in REM sleep are the cardiac muscle, our heart, our brain, our breathing muscles, 
and then those little muscles in our eyes that where the name comes from that that makes our eyes you know um, move a lot. Where they flutter, or they we, we rapid eye movement, rapid eye movement sleep. So that's how one of the reasons how we can distinguish between REM sleep and deep sleep. So what is the purpose so, of REM sleep? REM sleep is where we, to put it very easily, recharge emotionally. Remember that our brains are basically big computers and we need to, our brains need to digest what happened to us during the day. All of our emotions and what we think about things and our reasoning and so on. So basically it's a filing progress. It's it's where we start archiving stuff. Basically. Yes, yes. Okay. That's why we dream. That's one of the reasons why we, uh, or how, I mean, dogs dream as well. Um, I'm not a big believer. Sorry for saying this. I'm a scientist. I'm not a big believer in, <laughs> in, um, what dreams mean. You know, there's people that specialize. I don't do that. Um, I don't know even if it's true, uh, what dreams mean. Um, uh, that's, that's, that's out of my scope of practice. I tend to <laughs> not specialize in, in, in that, if that makes sense. But interestingly, dream sleep is, is, uh, what the so-called REM sleep. And that happens during, during the latter part of the night. You know, during the early morning hours, we get lots of, of REM sleep. Yeah. It's interesting. That I mean, um, we're talking about dreams and about sleep. Uh, this being a Jewish radio station, I do need to bring in a Jewish, perspective and uh, according to judaism sleep is one sixtieth of prophecy and i mean sorry dreams are one sixtieth of prophecy and sleep is Mm -hmm. one six hundredth of death which is interesting can you believe it can you believe it yeah (laughs) you heard it it right here which is interesting and You know, what might also be interesting, maybe it's not, is that you're speaking to me on a platform in a radio station that was created from a literal dream. My mother heard that she, yes. my mother dreamt that she heard me on the radio. And, uh, yeah. Can you believe it? Can you, I can believe it, yes. Such wonderful things about not in sleep in general, but also in life in general and, 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 and what it means in our meanings and our subconscious minds and, we haven't even touched what it actually means, and and that's very interesting, you know. Absolutely, but um, we we also need we are to. Capable of. Yeah, my guest this morning is Jan Daniel Ace. He's a sleep health coach. If you've got any questions about sleep, what is keeping you up at night? You let me know, and I will ask it my guest. And you can, if you don't sign your name, I won't read your name. So uh, the number, if you want to be in touch with me, is three four five one nine. That's the text line, or zero six one eight nine five one zero one nine. I'm Kathy Kayla, and this is Diskem Medical Monday. My guest is Jan Daniel Ace. He, as I said, he is a sleep coach. So, what are the things that keep us up at night, Jan? We've established that how important it is to sleep. That we have to be able to have, uh, you know, our body detoxing, our brain detoxing, archiving. It's almost like a computer. If you don't ever re- restart your computer, it's going mm. to get very slow. And if you don't run a disk defrag, it's going to be even worse. You know, and those uh, just clean up and all of that. Excellent. Then you crash airplanes, crash cars, and blow up nuclear facilities and so on. Yes, and space shuttle challenges, exactly. (laughs) All right, so so let's talk about this. Um, Obviously a very, very big one, and it seems to be, I don't know if 
just more people are becoming aware of it. But sleep apnea seems to be a very, very big factor. And a lot of people might not know that they even have sleep apnea. Tell us what it is. Yes. So, so sleep apnea is the second largest sleep illness in the world. And it is basically when it's, I call it a snore on steroids. Um, hmm. it, it, sleep apnea, we can, we can distinguish, and I'm talking about obstructive sleep apnea. We've, we've got, we've got three types of sleep apnea. Okay. We've got an apnea. Uh, let me just explain what an apnea. Apnea means the cessation of breathing, cessation of breathing. So the first type of the most, the most, uh, or not so common, not so common sleep apnea is what we call central apnea. Is basically where our brains doesn't give our lungs a signal to breathe, okay, and we don't breathe. That's the one. The second one is called obstructive sleep apnea, and that's a mechanical apnea, where our brain sends our lungs a signal to breathe, you know, inhale and exhale, right. but because of an obstruction in the airway, there's no air reaching the lungs. Okay, which could be a fat tongue. Which is why a lot of people who are overweight can suffer of, from, yeah. from Pulse, sleep apnea. big tonsils in, in kids, um, a big fat tongue, obesity is, it plays a big role. Ironically, also type 2 diabetes, um, those are more consequences of sleep apnea. Hypertension is a consequence of sleep apnea. But basically what obstructive sleep apnea is, is where, is what happens to us we try to suck in. Remember that as we fall asleep, we lose muscle tone. As I said, yeah. during stage during REM sleep and stage four sleep, we start to stand. Do we lose muscle tone? Okay, our airway collapses or closes sufficiently that not enough air is reaching our lungs, and that means that not enough oxygen gets into our bloodstream. So what happens now is our oxygen level drops. Our brains recognizes it and we gasp. We go, you know, that gasping for breath during sleep. We don't necessarily wake up from that, but it pulls us back into a shallower sleep phase where muscle tone is stored again and then the process repeats. Yeah, and I've got a question. So sometimes, it's basically a sometimes when, uh, when someone is falling asleep, right, we can feel like we are falling and then we our body jumps or we we're kind of startled what is that what's happening in our brains <laughs> what, a, what, what on earth is that to be it's totally safe it's totally safe doesn't it, feel it just, safe at the time just i just a, have to say i know i know i experience it the same <clears throat> and 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 it's not it's not fun but it's not, it's, it's nothing to be worried about. It's just basically where we start to lose consciousness and, um, we're drifting off to sleep. <coughs> Sorry. We're drifting off to sleep and then, and then our bodies realize, you know, where, where, where that connection between our brains and our bodies, our body is not, the, our bodies are not necessarily ready to sleep, but it's just a glitch. It's like a, you know, it's like a, we just, it's nothing to be worried about. It's just like a, a glitch, if I can put it that way. It's just a slight connection issue between brain and body when we fall asleep and our bodies come afterwards and then what the hell is that? Sorry. 
people saying that, but what's happening? <laughs> okay. You know? It's okay. We say what, what the what's hell here. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, so, so it, it's nothing. This, it, it makes me think of another sleep pathology that we call it's a, it's a REM sleep disorder. And many, quite a lot of people suffer from this. It's, it's a REM sleep disorder is where we wake up during the night and we realize that we can't move our muscles. We can't move. We can't breathe properly. We can't move. And many people have stated that they have been abducted by aliens during that time, you know, or they saw somebody. And that's a typical REM sleep disorder. It's just a glitch. It's, it feels terrible because you lay in bed, you're wide awake, and you can't move. It's I thought terrible. that those were called night terrors. Aren't those called night terrors? Night terrors is where people um, act out their dreams. So they are not aware of it, and they act out their dreams. With the REM sleep disorder is is where people are aware of their surroundings. They awake, but they can't move. It's not like when you're dreaming that you're awake. No, they're, they're you actually are awake. awake. You're but, fully awake. But they, but they have no control yeah. over their and body. And it usually happens in the latter part of the night. Sleepwalking, sleep eating, interestingly enough, happens during the first part of the night, especially in children. During the first part of the night and, and, uh, during deep sleep, ironically, uh, most sleepwalkers and sleep eaters don't know that they did it. They are totally unaware. They can't even remember it. And during sleep studies, scientists recognize that that happens during deep sleep hours, not during REM sleep. Why do people sleepwalk? I mean, that is contradict. You realize that you're contradicting what you told me earlier about deep sleep. What, is, when what you, is that? When you said um, in yes, deep sleep, exactly. you lose your muscle, yes. your muscle. Um, yes. So. Yeah, your yeah. muscle tone so, and so, all of that. So remember, that's a pathology. That means it's something wrong. There's something wrong. The muscle tone, with, remember, it's a sleep illness. Sleepwalkers, sleep eaters, that's a sleep illness. And it was sleep, what we call a sleep pathology. And um, usually we're supposed to lose muscle tone. How do you treat something like that? Everything. How do you treat sleepwalking? It's, it's quite... I, I refer them straight to, to, to a sleep, uh, well, the only sleep doctor we have in South Africa, and that's Alison Bentley, or to a neurologist. Um, it can be, it, it, it's usually, interestingly enough, it's usually, um, an symptom of some, uh, some, some other sleep pathology. Interesting. Like insomnia. Bad, or, or, or bad sleep hygiene or emotional problems or anything like that. Um, you know, that's, that's, it's, it's very rare, very rare that it's an idiopathic pathology or where it stands alone that, that is, that it's usually a symptom of some underlying health problem. Okay. Sorry to happens. ask the obvious. It's quite common in children. It's quite common in children. Yes. So, yes. So. Um, sorry to ask the obvious, but what is sleep hygiene? I mean, is one not okay, clean so when sleep, one goes to sleep? Yeah, <laughs> that as well. But uh, sleep hygiene is um, where we get, uh, you know, for instance, everybody tells us how to eat healthy. Everybody tells us how to exercise healthy. Sleep hygiene is where 
is we we tell people how to sleep healthy, how to improve sleep. Um, and it derived basically from modern society where there's a lot of lights, you know, activity. Okay, blue screens, all of that, all of the stuff blue that's going screens. to interrupt your sleep. Yes, yes, and a busy lifestyle or too busy lifestyle and so on. All right. Jan, okay. I'm watching the time and we've still got so much to talk about. Uh, my guest today is Jan Daniel Ace. He's a speech, he's a, not a speech, he's a sleep therapist, uh, or a sleep health coach. And that's what we're talking about is sleep and quality of sleep. How many hours of sleep do you get a night? I was actually speaking to a colleague earlier this morning and I was saying, I'm talking about sleep. How many hours a night do you get? She says, very, very seldom more than five and usually between four and five. And I know even for myself, if I go to sleep at 10 o'clock at night, I will be up at three o'clock in the morning because I just don't need more sleep than that. And yet there are reports that say, that if you are getting less than seven hours of sleep a night, that that is a big problem. Uh, the Oxford University Press actually put out a paper that said it's a, they put out a study. Um, in uh, I'll read this. A new study in sleep indicates that people who have slept for fewer than seven hours of the past 24 have higher odds of being involved in and responsible for car crashes. The risk is greatest for drivers who have slept fewer than four hours. But does ev- young, does everybody need at least seven hours? You made a very very interesting point, and this is this is this is if I can drive this message home today, then then it was it's this. Books, literature, research say that we need between six and nine hours of sleep. Okay. And that is based on statistical data on what happens to us while we are asleep and rejuvenation and the protection of our organs and so on. But if we consider that you eat until you are full, then you, then you don't eat anymore. You don't feel the need to eat anymore. Exactly. It's, it's exactly the same with sleep. So when you've had enough, got, you've had enough. As long as there hasn't been enough. something that disturbs you, like the fan yes. going off during yes. load shedding. It is, it is important to try and figure out why, uh, why people cannot sleep more than six hours. Six hours is the bare minimum that we accept as safe, but we must never pressure people. Or let me put it this way. People should never worry in inverted commas. Or try to pressure themselves to sleep more than six hours. If you sleep for five, five and a half hours you, and you had enough, you had enough. Don't pressure yourself because that is where insomnia comes from. Right. You're creating or anxiety. One of the reasons. Yeah. You're creating you anxiety around anxiety. something. You, yeah. And, and, and another, another message what I need, and especially for your insomniac listeners, those people, and there's a lot of them that suffer from insomnia. Insomnia is not something that you can cure with a radio interview. It's it's not. It, it, it there's a, there's a lot of psychology behind it um, in terms of how we think about sleep, the knowledge about sleep, and so on. If if I can give a word of advice, two advice, two words of advice to or two sentences of advice to your insomniac listeners is this. Never, ever try to sleep. Never. Anybody. Never try to sleep. 
Okay. So wait for sleep to happen. Okay. Based on what I said in the beginning about adenosine in your sleep balloon, the fuller your balloon is, the bigger the pressure to sleep. So you've got to find you ways to fill that balloon. So perhaps turning down your find, lights would be. Yeah. Sleep hygiene. Sleep, sleep hygiene will not work for insomniacs or will not, that's not enough. It's, it, sleep hygiene will not work for treating insomnia. It's, it's, insomnia is treated with partly sleep medication in the beginning and then, um, some people use hypnosis. However, I cannot see any statistical research data that hypnosis works well. It does work by reviews and so on. Um, but I can't see any clinical data that it, that it works. Um, according to the, um, American Academy of Sleep Medicine and, and lots of other internationally recognized sleep health bodies, um, that works the best for insomnia is what is called cognitive behavior therapy for insomnia. And that's a set structure. That's, that is specifically designed to teach or to, to, to treat insomnia from a psychological and behavioral point of view. So I'm getting too deep now that the bottom line is never try to sleep. Wait for sleep to happen. And I'm going to, I need to say something about that in a little while. The other thing that I want to say is sleep hygiene won't work for sleep apnea. Yeah. So never try to sleep. And then, and then also for so- insomnia, you mean? Sleep hygiene won't work for insomnia. about insomnia. Yes. There's something else that I also wanted to say now about insomnia, which is quite important. How um, do you know when you are insomniac? Is there the clear- minute I to sleep, the minute you, and, and I'm talking about, let, let me start off by telling you what the DSM-5 academic clinical um, uh, definition of insomnia. Insomnia is a condition where you struggle to fall asleep, stay asleep, or wake up too early in the morning for more than three times a week. That's acute insomnia. And where it lasts longer than three months, that's chronic insomnia. And that becomes a behavior. Hmm. So the insomnia will always carry on and carry on. Yeah, and I want to just, uh, I'm watching the time and we need to wrap up soon. But, um, yeah. I want to talk about, you know, when when one is transitioning, when our children are transitioning from childhood into teenagehood, their sleep patterns change tremendously. And it's probably an entire show on its own about those patterns. (laughs) Um, You know, all of a sudden our our teenagers are sleeping, you know, know, 23 out of 24 hours they just want to sleep. And obviously there's Mm. lots happening with the brain and the brain has got this pruning period that's happening in the brain. Um, But how can we make it easier for them? I mean, are there things that we can do to support our teens and, and our kids when they're going through that transition? Yeah. So, so let me, let me, the, the, the first thing is to tell your kids that, you know, to support them is to keep those cell phones and TVs and tablets out of their rooms. Okay. I have a docking station somewhere like a docking station in your home where at a certain time of the night, all the electronics is kept at that docking station. No technology in the bed. Okay. 
that's 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 a big no-no and that's a big problem. I, I had an interview with a big a news station a couple of years ago where we spoke exactly about this. So that's the one thing that you can support your kids in. And then also, obviously, and this is very important, um, is a healthy environment in terms of kids worry and they, they see if mom and dad fights, for instance, you know, they worry about bullying in school, about the, you know, academic stuff. So, so have a safe environment for them where they can talk about their problems and not take their problems to bed. Uh, so that's the one thing. Um, I just want to want, want to mention because this is quite close to my heart in terms of, um, Parents, and I see this especially in Oh, oh, hold on, Jan. We kind of. We, uh, um, can I ask oh, you? Yes. Yeah. Okay, for some reason we kind of lost connection for a second. So you said that this is close to your heart, and then yeah. we, we lost connection. So. We, okay, we're young kids, young kids, toddlers, uh, preschool children. Parents think that. Young children need the same hours as adults, and that's not true. We need to remember, remember that in deep sleep, our bodies grow, damage and cells get damaged, cells get repaired, and we grow in deep sleep. Obviously, toddlers and children. Oh, Jan, I don't know what's happened to uh, to the connection. Why is not more good. sleep than adults? Oh, so they do need a lot. It's so basically, they're great it's days. It's not of my my video. Yes. Yeah. Can you can you hear me better now? Yes, much better. Thank you. Okay. All right. I switched off my my camera anyway. Thank so, you. Um, so so uh, Katy Katy, young children needs more sleep. It's not it's not right to keep them up until eight or nine o'clock at night. Right. And expect them to wake up at six o'clock in the morning to go to pre-primary or whatever. Young children as well. So, 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 were you, I don't know if I answered your question. Just have a safe environment, switch the lights off about an hour to bed and create a calm experience in the house, if I can put it that way, to motivate them. Teenagers will sleep longer because it's a very important transition from childhood to adulthood. Right. Teenagers will sleep longer. Okay. And and then set structured bedtime for them as well. A structured bedtime where they go to bed and wake up at the same time every day. Okay, so how many sick. teenagers have you raised, Dion? It's impossible. Two. <laughs> it's impossible I, I, to I have a bedtime two, for them. Two girls. Yeah. Two two girls. You know, Kathy, you know, I get what you're saying. What we as parents can do, and, and Yolandi can probably, you know, your other presenter, Yolandi Becker, she's yes. got your, your got, so, so, yes. so, um, if I can just put my two cents worth in terms of this, we can just create the environment. That's it. Okay. The other important thing that we need to accept is, or, or teach them is to accept that responsibility. Yes. Okay. Okay. Responsibility. Jan, okay. thank you so much. Unfortunately, that is where we have to leave it. At some point, we'll get you back. We're going to talk about the child brain. We're going to talk about teenage sleep put, uh, uh, sleeplessness or their patterns. But I just want to thank you so much for your time this morning and for sharing your That's expertise with us. And uh, 
Jan Daniel Ace has been my guest for the last hour we've been talking. He's a he's a sleep therapist, he's a sleep health coach, and uh if you'd like to get hold of Jan, you can do so. You'll find ho- you'll find him at the Arkle Sleep Clinic. ArkleSleepClinic.co.za and uh, that's how you can get hold of him. I want to thank Diskem for their support. Thank you for all the messages. By the way, I did ask how many of you were you know, how many well, how many hours of sleep are you getting a night? And uh, thank you so much. Most people seem to be getting, you know, seven between seven and nine hours, which I think is absolutely fantastic. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for all your messages. And I will be back on your radio, same time, same place next week. Be safe, be well, be healthy, and uh, have a great week. Bye.